I just totally checked out. You've tuned in to When Your Mind Becomes the Scene of the Crime podcast. I'm Dr. Linda F. Williams. I take survivors of abuse and trauma from pain to purpose so that you take back your power, tap into the truth of who you are, and live your best life now. Okay, so this is back in 1979, 80, 81, when I had to leave the state because of an abusive husband and moved to Chicago because I have family there and they were going to help me get on my feet, yada, yada. So I'm still traumatized had a little therapy, clueless as to how deep it went. But I'm just stumbling through life and met a guy. Oh, this is how it happened. I was, it used to be that President's Day wasn't President's Day. You had Lincoln's birthday and Washington's birthday. And whatever day of the week that fell on as a federal employee, we would have that off. So we would have like two days off during that time. I don't know if they're a week apart or whatever. And I didn't have anything to do, so I decided I would go into work anyway. Can't get away with that nowadays, but I was just going to go to work. I wasn't even getting overtime for it or anything, but I just needed to just get out of my grandmother's house for a while. So, phone rings and it's this real estate agent on the phone and I don't know we talked for a minute I answered his questions he must have asked me out and being a dummy not realizing I was in no shape for this kind of stuff said okay long story made shorter I wind up living with this guy now I should have known up front that there was a major problem here because it just something wasn't quite right about him. And when I walked into his flat, now his family owned this flat on the west side of Chicago. And it was like a three-story flat. Imagine the Victorian age. It was an old building. It was kind of run down. It wasn't being kept. And he was at the top floor. And they owned both buildings. His mother lived next door. And so she rented out the first and second floor. So... I walk up in there the first time, and it looks like a hurricane hit the place, and he was perfectly fine living in that mess. Well, before I moved in, I went through and just cleaned everything out, swept floors, mopped floors, got rid of the clutter, yada, yada, and then I moved in. I cannot tell you how long I lived with this guy or not. But the way it was, these flats, you had the kitchen in the back of the flat. And there would always be a room off of that, like a bedroom off of that. This was a two-bedroom, and he and I slept in the front bedroom, but his drunk uncle lived in the back bedroom off the kitchen. And I never saw much of this drunk uncle, okay? I, I, I don't remember talking to him three times through the whole thing. But one, one day, he comes in drunk. Must have been drunk because I'll never forget it. Southern Comfort was what this joker would drink. And I must have been in the bed sleep. He comes in 
and rails me out of bed accusing me of sleeping with his uncle in the back room. I had no idea what that was going on. But next thing I know, I'm sitting in so the front of of the the front room also had a middle room between the front room, which would be the living room. The middle room must have been meant to be the dining room or something. And then you'd go to the back to the kitchen in his uncle's room. I don't remember what went down between now and what I'm about to tell you. But the next thing I know, I'm sitting in that middle section on a sofa. He's standing by the door, blocking the door and holding a gun on me. And he was accusing me of sleeping with his uncle, yada, 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 just totally delusional. Now, I understand based on my psychotherapy training now that the, the way I dealt with that in that moment is I just totally checked out. It's called dissociation. And I don't even remember what this joker said. All I know is I was staring down the barrel of a gun and I didn't know what to do or whether this fool was about to shoot me over some crazy crap he built up in his head. And I sat there, I say now about 30 minutes while he was jibber jabbering and I don't think I even responded to him because I had to go somewhere in my head where I was not dealing with the fact that I was facing down the barrel of a gun and I don't know what I said because in that situation when somebody's delusional and they're holding a weapon on you, you don't know if responding to their questions is going to get your butt shot, excuse my language, about to cuss, or whether not responding is going to get you shot. All I know is I sat there blank for about 30 minutes. Now, in that 30 minutes... I must have been conscious on some level because I decided this is not going to work. I'm leaving this fool. Now, I didn't leave him the next day. What I did was I started packing my stuff. All I had was paper bags. And I would pack my stuff in a paper bag and hide it off in a corner. Just this went on for about two weeks. And I would pack my bags and put it over in the corner. Then I would just keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that so that gradually he wouldn't recognize that I was packing my stuff. In the background, I'm running up and down the Gold Coast trying to find myself an apartment because I was going to leave while his butt was down at the real estate office. So I did that. I did that. He came home one day and I was gone. I didn't leave a note. I didn't call him. He must have called me at work, was asking me some crap. And I don't know, back then, I probably cuss him out. You, I know you ain't asking me why. And feeling like the big victim. This is not going to work. I'm out of there. And I never let him know where I was. Then this fool had the nerve to call me at work one day talking about, I know your, I know your place is a revolving door. Oh my goodness. Don't get me started. No, he did not go there with me. I tell you what, I never looked back. Never looked back.
Now, the reason I'm telling you this story is because I just saw a story on YouTube about a woman who was shot 14 times, 14 times by her so-called significant other after having three kids by this fool, one of which was five years old and all of which were sitting in the van while he's shooting her up. A Milwaukee man is on the run after shooting his girlfriend at least 14 times in front of their children. Not only did this mother survive, she asked to share her story on our Milwaukee Crime Stoppers segment to help catch him. Also, the whole shooting was caught on video, which we are about to show you at the victim's urging. But we want to warn you, it's graphic and heartbreaking. When we showed Nakia Shoemake surveillance video of the day her boyfriend shot her 14 times in front of their three children, she was quiet at first, watching intently as he chased her out of her minivan after an argument. He ran her down, shooting her until she falls to the ground. And as she's laying there, he continues to shoot her again and again. But it was when her 12-year-old daughter and 5-year-old son get out of the car to stop their dad from killing their mother that Nakia totally broke down. Re-traumatized, her tears fell, leg shaking uncontrollably. She jumps out the van, she starts running, he shoots, shoots, shoots her, he stands over her and shoots her. Then he goes, the kids jumping out of the car. Thank God he didn't turn on them. The kids jumping out of the car, trying to wave him off. He runs down the alley, turns around and sees she's still moving. And again in front of the kids, he comes back down the alley, stands over her shooting her. Now, she wanted this story on this crime show on YouTube because she wanted others to help find this guy who got away. Thank God she lived through it. But the, the interviewer asked her, look, was it a good relationship? Were there any signs? Oh, it was good at first. Now, how long at first was? I have no doggone clue. So then as the interviewer kept asking questions, she cut down to the core of it. Yeah, he'd been beating me up and yeah, he had threatened me with a gun and yeah, 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 yeah. Look, ladies, this is the deal. I told you my story because there are a couple of things. That if you know of anybody that you suspect is in this kind of situation, they are going to be too ashamed to admit it. They're going to be covering it up, making excuses for him or her, or whatever. If you think they're in that situation, you be, be very careful in how you support them because if somebody's irrational with a gun, there will be no talking any sense to them. I don't care, male, female, doesn't matter. You're not going to talk any sense to them when they're in that condition. Okay, and you don't want to put them in a position where you're riling him up. So you want to make sure that any support you give them is a as they allow you to help. But please understand this. They are going to have to make some plans to get out of that. They are not likely to be able to just up one day and walk out. And that's what happened just before this fool shot this woman for 14 times. She'd been putting up with it for years, quite apparently, because I think she had a 10-year-old a, a, a kid, too. And 
the minute she was done with his butt, he wants to go off. Okay, well, this is the deal, y'all. It's going to take some planning to get out of a domestic violence situation. I got out of mine by leaving the state. And I did not find out till 30, 40 years later that he was riding around the city. Now, this is not the guy I just told you about. This is the situation that led me to Chicago in the first place. And he was running around with a gun. And thank God that he was caught with a 40 ounce of beer open in the car. And the police found the gun under the under the seat where he tried to throw it and took him in but he was looking for me there's no way he could have found me and he was looking to shoot up people who he felt were gonna help me now i didn't find this out until like last year that's 30 40 years after the fact but what i want you to take away from this it's good to be supportive of people but please use your head and understand that these people that they're trying to that they may decide to get away from one day are goners you're not going to talk sense to them you do not want to put yourself in their path you do not want her to put herself in their path without having made a game plan for getting away at the end of this video i'm going to give you the national domestic violence hotline because they are experts in helping her to create a game plan in order to be able to make a safe getaway without endangering others in the process. They will have resources for her to get the kind of counseling and therapy she'll need to get in order to be strong, strong enough emotionally to walk away from that. But understand, it's going to take some planning. And don't get irritated. Why are you putting up with this? Yada, yada, yada. Well, see, there's a whole bunch. If they're not telling you they're getting their butt kicked on a weekly basis, there's a whole bunch that went on before they met this fool that they may not be telling you about either. So just be patient where you can provide the necessary resources to put them in touch with local resources. Do that. Be gentle and understand that it's not necessarily going to be a good thing to just jump out of that. And there are a whole lot of women who have children they have to be concerned about and who have financial situations they have to be concerned about. And when he's been the breadwinner all this time, do you have any resources to be able to make a clean getaway? Anyway, I could talk on this forever. I'll give you guys a little bit more of my domestic violence um, situation in another video, but just just suffice it to say that it's a process to heal from domestic violence. It's a process to break free from domestic violence. And that process to break free from domestic violence is likely going to have to be holistic. In other words, we're going to deal with not only your physical needs and your financial needs and your housing needs, but we will also deal with the mindsets that led you into this and allowed you to stay for that duration. Just another story out of my life. I got a bunch of them. You have to read the book, Whose Apple Is It Anyway? I'm going to put it up. Where am I putting it? I'm going to put it up right here. There's, there it is. It's on Audible. You can get the ebook. You can get the hard copy. You can get the paperback. It's also available 
in a journal that you would use and you go along reading it, but domestic violence ain't no joke, y'all. It's not a joke. And as a survivor of domestic violence, I'm the first one to tell you that there were a whole bunch of people that didn't have any patience with me in that. And I had to leave the state. And I had no idea how violent he was at the time. So just be patient with people. Understand it's a process and it's going to take a process to get out of it. And hopefully they will go through that process without announcing every move they're making to the abuser. They need to keep it to themselves. And if they tell you about it, you don't let him know that you know. Okay? The less they know, the more they're in the dark, the better chance she has to survive to the point where she can get away from him anyway. Lots of links below. Click through to make an appointment with me or get the other resources I've got listed below. And I'm putting up right now the domestic violence national line that will help you to understand how to support somebody in that situation or what you need to do to get out of it yourself. I'm Dr. Linda. Always remember your greatest power is realized in the truth of who you are. Know that truth. Thank you for joining me today on When Your Mind Becomes the Scene of the Crime podcast. Schedule your free breakthrough session now at lindafwilliams.com. That's lindafwilliams.com.